Today's episode of the I-5 Corridor podcast is brought to you by Planet3Vitamins.com. Planet3Vitamins is nutrition made simple with all your daily vitamins and minerals available in one convenient daily pack. It's founded by a University of Oregon alum, and you can use promo code CORRIDOR10 for $10 off your first purchase. That's Planet3Vitamins.com, promo code CORRIDOR10. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. Hey, happy Thursday, everyone, and happy 2020. This is the <laughs> happy 2022. That's how the last two years have gone. I'm Tyson Alger. I'm joined here by Aiden Schneider. It is our first podcast of the year. First time I've seen Aiden in, in a couple weeks. I, I don't think we've even done a post-mortem, post-mortem on the uh, Alamo Bowl yet, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll... We'll slide into that one gently. So, how are you doing, Aiden? <laughs> I'm doing well. I I don't know that we need to talk about the Alamo Bowl too much. I think that's kind of I hate to say it, but that's kind of what I expected. Yeah, but we still have some bright spots to look forward to. Yeah, but like between that and then you know we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. It's 35 degrees and raining. Uh, the Blazers just announced that Dame's going to miss the next three games. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State just announced that the men's basketball games this week have been suspended. Um, and then you have like an Oregon football team that, yeah, I think people are pretty stoked about Dan Lanning coming here, but at this point there's just still nobody in the building. So yeah, it, it, it's it's a really kind of a pretty a dreary time, honestly, right now in, in Oregon sport. You've been going skiing a bit though, haven't you? Oh yeah, it's been great. Been, uh, visibility hasn't been the best at the mountain, but it, it's been absolutely dumping to the point where a couple of the the ski resorts couldn't even open. I the, saw the that. Were too bad. I saw that. I have a uh, I have a few friends that live out towards Hood River, and I was just seeing their Instagram pictures the last couple of days, and it's insane. And, and I've seen some pretty decent snowstorms in my day, but uh, you know they got like a legit like two feet overnight out there. Like that's that's uh, that's reputable. <laughs> yeah, it is. And- I think hopefully uh, to your point about the the dreary Oregon sports situation, hopefully just like the weather, we can just uh, wait it out for a couple months and the sun will start shining again. Well, do you want to do football or basketball first? Uh, let's let's do football because there's at least a little more to be excited about there. Okay, so I I I don't think that we need to go back and do a blow by blow the Alamo Bowl. Oregon got smoked. Uh, they at least like played a respectable second half. Uh, I, I think that whatever party you're in, you can probably make your own conclusions from that game. You know, I, I think you could look at some of the play of like the wide receivers or like Dante Thornton and be like, okay, like this team's got plenty of talent going into the new year. But then, you know, you can also look at the fact that they couldn't stop anybody that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's such, that was such a hard game to really project anything from because they were so down on scholarship players, didn't have any of their coaches there. I, I think the fact that they were even able to rally at all in the second half was kind of a testament to, to, to kind of the work that that staff that stuck around put in there. But, uh, you know, I, I think that was probably the appropriate end to the 2021 football season, which you know, when you go back and look at it, if you're going through sports reference and you're looking at records, you go like, oh, man, Oregon was 10 and two and, and played in the Pac-12 championship game and all that. You're like, oh, that was probably a pretty good year. But I, I think this ended up being a pretty meh year. Uh, is, is that right? Yeah, I'd say so. And one of the things that that stuck out to me that I thought was was a little funny was 
how much Oregon threw the ball down the field in the second half? I know, I know, I know, I know right? <laughs> and, okay, let me let me let me read you some stats too. I just this continues to baffle me. This is one of the rare times in sports where just the stats just don't match up to what I see at all. So Anthony Brown led the Pac-12 in total offense with 3,647 yards. First Oregon football player to do so since Marcus Mariota and his Heisman season in 2014. And Brown led the league in completions that gained 10 yards with 119. That that one made that that one made me that that one made me spit my water out because I knew the I knew the attempts and stuff was going to be there, but the fact that he actually had the most 10 yard anyways. Sorry for the interruption. It's, it's, it's got to be. So it was the he led it in t completions of 10 plus yards, 20 plus yards, and 30 plus yards. I wonder. The Pac-12 was sucked, what? man. <laughs> it was, it was so a tough year was, all around. It was so bad this year, and you know, like I, you know, I've just been listening to the the commissioner. He's been kind of doing the media rounds lately, and like every single one, it's just like making him talk about like the Pac-12 going zero and five in bowls this year, and it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm sure he's loving that title right now. <laughs> yeah, and I saw he had a quote about that. He uh, someone asked him that question, and he backed out of it a little bit, and was like. We had a rough season in general. It's not just the Bulls. The, the the Anthony Brown stat line thing fascinates me because one, uh, I was watching a little bit of the the Monday Night Football game on on Monday of all days, and I think Roethlisberger had like twenty. At one point, Roethlisberger had like twenty two completions for like hundred and ten yards. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was just something like ridiculous like that. Where if you were to like go back and look at the stat line, you're like, oh man, he completed like eighty percent of his passes or, or whatever. But Look, looking at AB's thing, it reminds me probably most similar different sport, but it would be like Russell Russell, Russell Westbrook. Like the guy's like getting triple doubles every night. So if you go to look at his stat line, it does look pretty good. But there's just something like when you watch it, you're like, yeah, this isn't quite adding up to winning, winning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and it, I think, I don't know what, what exactly the advanced stats are on this, but I guess it would be like air yards. I can't imagine a whole lot of these uh, 20 and 30 yard completions of which there were 60 were 20 over 20 or 30 Dude, in the air. Uh, uh, I imagine a fair amount of those are Travis Dye going and getting big boy yardage. <laughs> Just screens and dump offs pretty much. Uh, random thought, but do you think Travis would come back? For it, okay, it's a little bit, a little bit of backtrack. Travis Dye has been running back for four years now. He is now one of, I believe, five running backs in Oregon history to have three thousand or more rushing yards, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Considering that Travis has never entered the season as the team's lead back, he, he's kind of got, it's kind of got like a little bit of like a, like a Kenyon Barner vibe to like little Michael James, because Dye has always kind of been the number two to Verdell. Uh, but the dudes put up some stats and like, if he were to come back this next year, like Oregon's bringing back, I think four pieces from its offensive line. I think they're going to open things up more. Like he could legitimately, if things go well, like be in line for a monster season that this coming fall. But at the same time too, the ducks do have some nice pieces coming back, like Byron Cardwell that you'd like to see get, get going. And like, it's got a be weird being in football in college for like five six years right especially like if it's your, like your third coaching staff yeah i think it would be but i really think he's got to come back i think i think it's too good of an opportunity for him to pass up um like like no opportunity to continue to numbers like no no disrespect and, to Tra travis but like 
he's probably going to be that guy that needs to have like a monster season in order to get an NFL look. Like I don't I don't know if he's an NFL player, uh, if he's an NFL player just surely based on size. I, I think Travis is an incredibly talented football player, but unfortunately he's five eight, and you have to be really 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 good to to make it at that league at that size. Yeah, I think he needs to be able to to come out with a lot of production, um, and another year would definitely help with that and work on his body too. I think it's a lot easier to leave when you're a physical specimen where maybe you didn't put up the best numbers. You but... you and I can relate, right? Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. But uh yeah, when you have you have size and, and strength and speed that projects well at the next level, you can maybe have a little bit less production. But uh, I think a chance for him to get stronger, bigger and faster for another year is, is definitely gonna bode well for him in the long run. This is a real inside baseball question, but it's important. Each year that you went into the fall and you guys are doing your photo shoots for your mugshot that's going to go on your player profile and everything, how much did you think into, like, how much do I want my look to evolve over the course of my my four or five-year run at Oregon? Like, like because I'm just thinking of Travis, like, he had the mustache for this year. It's a real good mustache. Like, Travis looked like he went from, like, 18 to 45 real quick. <laughs> Uh, I, not something I ever gave much thought to, but I noticed over my time, it was usually the people with the longer hair who were more into it. But, uh, <laughs> are, 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 are you trying to take a shot at Justin Herbert here? Was, was Herbert way too into his, his, uh, his profile pictures? I wasn't even really thinking of him. I was thinking like schooler, Mondu, <laughs> those types of guys. It's, it's a real hair progression for them. Yeah. So as we're as we're moving into uh i mean lanning's got basically like a full staff put together like oh, i mean it's it's pretty darn close to it at this point in terms of on-field positions i i know there are a lot of people in the building that are still kind of in limbo in terms of like support staff and whatnot just i mean surely from the fact that lanning's just not there <laughs> like like I, I think a lot of people understand like the situation of him being at georgia especially now that they've advanced to the national title game. But like, this is still just like an awkward limbo period for pretty much everyone in the building in, in, in Eugene right now. Yeah. It, it's gotta be a little strange. And, and I, I really hope that some of those people who have been around the program for a longer period of time are able to stick around because as much as things are going to be changing, I think it's helpful to have people who've been a part of past eras that we've kind of turned the page from and, and to be able to just kind of keep the memories alive of those older teams where, uh, you know, you got Tony Washington around, right. you got Matt Neuer, um, a lot of the trainers, you got Kenny Farr. Those guys have, have seen so many great players and teams come through that place that have made Oregon really special. And I think being able to keep those memories alive and, and hold on to that's definitely a good thing. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of just jumping off of the post that I had today, which like I, I tried to like this isn't related to like the whole letter thing. Like I'm in favor of Dan Lanning's hire. I, at this point, I think it was a good hire. Like this this staff he's putting together, um, you know, it, it has its risks, but like it's it's a very talented crew that's going to bring in a lot of talent, but. I mean, it's just, I, maybe it's just me getting old and, and nostalgic, but it was just like, man, like, I don't know any of these dudes anymore. And especially when you saw like Nate Costa and, and Kwame head over to Nevada, uh, Kwame's been in that building as long as I've been covering this team. So it's just like one of those, like, oh man, like this, this really is different now. Yeah. It's, it's so tricky just to think about because 
Oregon's really unique with the continuity they had for so long. And it just, it never really, you know, for 30 plus years, it never really was a thing to think about like, oh, we don't have any people in the building who've been around. And, and that's just kind of a new thing for everyone to experience. So on home game days after the games, like form, a lot of former players are around and like, as th this was back pre-COVID, as like media is, is going into the building and up the stairs to the media room, like often that, you know, we'd see you guys huddled around with like players and family and all that stuff uh, in, in the main lobby. And, and I'm curious, like, actually granted, you, you guys haven't been able to probably do that the last two years, but like, like what is that, what is that like? And, and like, how do you think that will be? I mean, like, what do you think that will be like next year too? Like just with so many new faces in the building, like, you know, I, I think that we've done this podcast so often that we kind of, you know, gloss over the fact that like you're a former player too. And like, like this is a connection that's probably important to you as well. And, and I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, how do you think this thing's whole, whole thing's going to feel? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's something I've been kind of curious about, you know, ever, ever since I finished up playing, it's been really easy for me to go back, whether that's, you know, talking to some of the staff that I still knew uh, that was there under Cristobal or whether that was getting tickets from former teammates and going into HTC after the game to see everybody. But uh, I really do like that, that Lanning and his staff seeing seem to be making an effort to connect to past players because granted it would be a little weird to show up where, you know, you don't really know anyone on the team anymore. The staff's almost completely changed. There's maybe a couple people that, you know, around the program, but it would kind of just feel like you're walking into a whole new place. And it, you know, I think it's cool that they're trying to uh, make it an inviting environment for former players. Are, were, were those post games pretty fun? Oh, they were great. I was probably a little drunker than I should have been for some of them. <laughs> right, right. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're not on the roster anymore. I mean, you got, you don't <laughs> got to kick the ball straight. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's transition into the important topic here. Do you think Dame Lillard might be done with the Blazers? Oh, kind of think he should be. And as much as it pains me to say it, I think we're getting dangerously close to uh, the point where we need to blow it up and trade him. Because as, as hard as that would be and as much as that would, I think, kill some fan morale, we just we're not close to winning with him right now. And it would be it would really elongate a potential rebuild to let him ride his time out in Portland and not get anything in return for him. So for context, the Blazers are 14 and 22. They just announced that Willard will be shut down for at least the next three games. Um, he re-aggravated this kind of ab injury that kind of was bothering him throughout the first part of the season. Uh, and this is also a guy who didn't have any break at all during the summer because he played on the Olympic team. Uh, and he kind of struggled there as well. Um, and so you're kind of looking at this situation, and I think Dame is 30, is he 31? He's 31. Th I mean, like, 31, he's, yeah, yeah he's, he's 31. Um, he's one of the highest paid players in the league and will continue to be probably throughout the rest of his career. Um, and I think he's one of the best players in the league. I think he's one of the best leaders in the league and all those sorts of things. Like, this isn't a, a Dame slander podcast, but I, as we've said before, I just don't, see a path for the Blazers to build anything competitive around him for the next year or two. Uh, 
and at that point, like, like you could still probably get some pretty good pieces out of it. I mean, it, it's just, it just sucks. Like basketball here was so fun, like at the, in the peak of that era too, like when it seemed like things were building and, and it, this is something that you and I talked about before the podcast is it seemed like everything had to go right for that type of Blazers team to reach their goals. Like if they wanted to win a championship with Dame and everything. And unfortunately the, the kind of the pause that the organization took post Paul Allen's death, I feel like that that was just enough to th- like throw it off course that like, it's just kind of a lost cause at this point. Yeah. And looking back after now that Olshay has been gone, um, it really just seems to me like, Olshay just threw Terry Stotts under the bus because when you look back at the 2019 team that went to the Western Conference Finals, you know, it never really felt like the Blazers were going to win a championship, but but they were a tough out and they were really competitive. And, you know, they had guys like Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless, who were really solid role players and the types of guys you want to have on your team when you, you're trying to make a deep postseason run. But it just feels like the roster's in significantly worse shape than it was then. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be a quick fix by any stretch. You, you've been a Blazers fan far longer than I, so I don't know if this is a stupid question or not. But do you care, really, like, ultimately deep down in your fanhood, like, do you care if they're competitive, like, within the top three teams for, like, do you need them to win an NBA title or do you just need them to be fun and competitive for, for your fandom? Uh I mean, I'd like to say that I need them to win an NBA title, but it just feels so out of reach. Like, I just, if if they can be on the level of that 2019 team where, you know, they're not getting swept in the first round and and maybe they don't even win in the second round, but they give a good team a tough series, you know, that's, that's enough. But I just really think when you look at the long-term uh, future of the team that, I, I don't see how we can win a championship in the time that Damian Lillard's still in his prime. It just doesn't seem feasible. I'm, I'm going to make a, I don't know if I'm going to stick this landing, but two of the most iconic athletes to play in the Northwest of the last 30 years in Portland, you have like Dame Lillard and in Seattle, you could look at like Ken Griffey Jr. And Ken Griffey Jr. Produced one of the most memorable moments in Seattle sports history in the, like the division round against the Yankees. Like, <laughs> sliding into home off the Edgar Martinez double. Like it's probably one of the most replayed clips, sporting clips in the Northwest. And it was for a team that lost in the next round that lost in the next, didn't even make the world series. And so like, I, yeah. I, I see, and then, you know, Griffey around 30 ends up getting traded to Cincinnati. And that worked out really, really well for the Seattle franchise. Cause they got pieces like Mike Cameron and, and so on and so forth that they were able to build off of. And I look at Dame and this Portland team and, you know, probably the most, replayed shot in in recent trailblazers history is going to be the one that he hit out over paul george which was in the 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 first round of the playoffs and it was a massive win i mean that was a big playoff or was that the first round or the second round i think it was was the second round second round well anyways like it it was really big shot it it wasn't in like the conference finals and and it got them to a point and it really took over a city and and i think I think that was probably the high point just as probably like Griffey sliding into home in 95 was probably the high point for like that era as well. And then it's just like, it sucks that you move that you have to move on and you might not have like, you know, achieved the goals that you wanted to at that time. But it, it, I don't know. I, I, I do see some parallels in there, especially since the guys were kind of probably around the same age when they did that. 
Well, it's, it's really depressing when you put it like that, but I, yeah, I, but, but in 2000 and 2001, the Mariners won a shit ton of baseball games. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I just, it's, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it's crazy to me that it seems like it's more likely that the Ducks win a college football title to me before the Blazers win an NBA title, which is crazy. Cause like the NCAA is the most unfair league out there. And like, there's a salary <laughs> cap in the NBA and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, it just kind of feels like banging your head against a wall as a Blazer fan at a certain point, because it just feels like we've had enough time with a lot of the talent we have to know that it's probably not going to happen. And I, I think as much as it's going to pain people to hear this, we need to get, we need to get picks. We need to get young players in order to rebuild because if, if Dame's time in Portland ends and we're about where we are right now, then that's going to take, once he's gone, that's going to take a bunch of years of tanking to build up the picks that we're going to need to get young talent. And because without Dame, you know, maybe we, we trade away CJ and Nurk and we get something in return. But I think with, with the amount of talent that's been coming out the last few years, you just you need to draft a young player that's going to be part of your organization for a long time. CJ is a fun, complimentary player to watch when he's on. But like what team is going to give you anything for a hundred million dollar player who is that inconsistent and can't play defense? And, and like I, again, I like watching CJ play, but I, I feel like that. You know, like that with the Will Damon CJ work discussion discussion has been something that's been going for like six. I, I feel like ultimately that like the answer to that was no, and 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 maybe like it would have worked if they would have added different pieces around them. But I mean, ha having those two guys eat up that much con uh, that much of your salary cap throughout the year and having none of them being being able to play defense, I think ultimately really stymied that franchise. Yeah, and and I think you know the Warriors were able to do it with Steph and Clay Thompson, but. In the NBA, it's difficult when your your two star players are guards, especially when when a lot of their offense comes so far away from the basket. Or with CJ in the mid range, I think especially come playoff time, it's it's really helpful to have dominant guys who are you know six seven, six eight, six ten who can get to the basket more reliably. Because as great as Dame is, and as great as CJ are, uh, as great as Dame and CJ are, if if they're missing shots, like Blazers have no chance of winning whatsoever. It's just such a thin margin. Is, is there a team uh, that's kind of currently in the rebuild or, or whatever that like you kind of like, like what they're doing? Like, you know, for instance, like I imagine Charlotte's pretty happy with, with, you know, with, with, with having Lamelo and, and like, you know, that type of thing. Like, is, is, is there any team that you're particularly jealous of and kind of wish that maybe this is where you'd like the Blazers to be like three or four years from now? Yeah, Charlotte is an interesting example. Um, this is something I just think the Blazers haven't had in a while. Um, you know, Lamella's great, but Charlotte's got a lot of guys who can score the ball. And I think that's kind of where the Blazers are going to need to be post Damian Lillard because the reality is I think we're going to have a hard time attracting uh, like a real marquee free agent uh, the way we know we have in the past. And, and so I think getting a lot of young assets, a lot of shooters, a lot of size and length on the defensive side of the ball would be great. And someone I've always hoped the Blazers could get, um, 
but didn't seem super realistic with someone like Chris Middleton. Yeah. I feel like that's that's the type of guy the Blazers have really, really missed. Well, and, you know, this this goes to, I thought John Canzano wrote a really good column this week. It basically, and you referenced it earlier about, you know, it's, it's time for the Blazers to be sold. And, you know, if you're in the camp of, Dame is the best player to ever come around here. Why would you get rid of him? Like, we should do everything to keep him. If you're going into this free free agency period coming after this season, like, having instability at the owner position is not going to help you at all, like, like in, in those regards. And it's already been tough enough to get guys to come to Portland, unless you're Zion, who's apparently rehabbing in Beaverton. Did you see that story? Yeah, what what's going on with that? Where is he rehabbing? So Zion's not rehab, not with the Pelicans. It said he's like rehabbing in Portland, Oregon, which I was like, where the hell? Is he's got to be rehabbing at Nike, right? Like maybe at like the like the new LeBron Center. It could be. I can't imagine. He... He, I can't imagine he's just like down at like Grant High School, like just getting in, like you know, on the bench and and stuff like that. Hey, we got stellar facilities. Yeah. But so how long? How long has he been out for? It's been quite a while at this point, hasn't it? I can't remember seeing him have a, a single like highlight. Like, when's the last like Zion dunk highlight you've seen? It's been a while. I, I miss those. Oh. Like that was a nice little like nightly uh, House of Highlights Instagram, like 2006 or 2016, 17. You'd go and watch like Zion do like 360 helicopter dunks, and <laughs> you know before those Instagram pages turned into complete trash but maybe they always were but <laughs> yeah i just i don't think zion's gonna be able to stay healthy with the body he has and the way he plays playing 82 games a year over the course of a career it just wears on you that guy had the ability to jump higher than i think anybody that i've ever seen which was incredible considering that like even in when he was in shape in college he's probably pushing like 260 275 um and yeah like that that body could easily be 300 plus pounds and i just don't see how knees or ankles or anything that's on a typical six foot seven nba player is going to hold up from that yeah and it's such a bummer because he was just instantly dominant when he got into the league like in uh his second year in 2020 he was averaging 27 points, seven rebounds, and four assists, shooting 61% from the field. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was that's ridiculous. I guess that's decent production. I mean, that's that's like what Carmelo was shooting for the Blazers the last few years. <laughs> for the record, I would have taken I would have taken Zion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I guess I guess the only plus of this is uh, we were looking at uh, like second. Uh, like StubHub tickets for Blazers games for the next couple of weeks. And boy, you can get in the door for like five or six bucks now, which uh, it might not be the best basketball to watch, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go in the door for $5 at this point. Uh, stay at home. I, I, I did text you. Uh, I went to a, I went to a Kraken game last week up in Seattle and it was the first time that I've been. So I was born in Seattle and moved up to Alaska. I think when I was like five or six and, I think I maybe went to like one or two Sonics games at the Key Arena back 25, 26 years ago. And so this was my first time being back in there since they obviously renovated it uh, to turn it into a Climate Pledge Arena. And uh, I'm going to be honest, that was probably the most incredible arena I've ever been in. And, and that's after recently coming after, off of like the um, the Pac-12 championship in Vegas or like Cowboy Stadium. Like it, it was just, I'm a big hockey fan, so there was... 
I enjoyed it regardless, but like there was just something to look at the entire game. It was, it was pretty kind of uh, jaw, jaw dropping. <laughs> oh, how many people does it sit? I think like 20,000. It's crazy. Like they, li- they, they literally just, up. they literally just took the roof off and then just gutted the whole thing and then put it back on and you go out there. It's like right in Seattle center. It's like underneath the space needle. And you just go down some escalators and all of a sudden you're in a hockey stadium. It's, you know, pretty simplistic. Although like, does that, what's the attendance like? Does, do those games fill up or get pretty close? Yeah. Well, I think it will be interesting to see how that crowd sustains over the next few years, because like when they first started, um, like when they first opened up ticket sales for that, it was like right after like Vegas, the Golden Knights in Vegas, like came off their like Stanley Cup run in like the first season. So I think people in Seattle were going nuts for it. And I think they got, I believe it was 32,000 season ticket deposits before they had even broken ground on the arena. So like they're, they're going to be, wow. they're going to be uh, pretty set on attendance for like the next couple of years. And if you go on like, again, the secondary market, the cheapest tickets are in the hundred, like hundred, $150, which uh, is a hockey's pretty expensive anyways, but that's very expensive for these games. Uh, I'm curious to see if they struggle for a couple of years, what it's going to be like. Cause like right now it's, it's kind of like the place to be sort of crowd. Um, and at some point, especially if they lose, like that's going to transition more into like maybe a little bit more of like a traditional grungy hockey, hockey crowd. So. Yeah. It's, it could be a couple of years till they're like the blazers right now and you're getting in the door for five bucks and leaving sad. Boy, if, uh, if people are getting in the door, the door for five bucks to cracking games, like there's going to be a lot of people out of jobs here in the, in the next few years. Like they, they had to, I, I don't have any of the numbers, but they had to have spent so much money on that facility. It's, it's in, incredibly impressive. Oh, I can, I can only imagine. Um, any parting thoughts? You watching anything? You got anything on the schedule? What's new in Aiden's world? Uh, well, I got my booster. It's, uh, I didn't have much of a reaction to either of the first two doses, but this one, this one really got to me. You look, uh, uh, you look taller. Relaxed and recovering. You look talk maybe smarter, taller. I don't know. Yeah, I, I got mine in a couple of weeks and, uh, I'm, I'm looking, are, are you a, are you uh do it in your, like your dominant arm or are you uh do it in the other arm? Uh, I do non-dominant. Okay. Actually didn't even really think about the fact that I had a choice. I just kind of sit down close my eyes and get it over with. Well, I, I just signed up for mine and it was like, what arm do you want it in? And like, I had to like sit there and think about it. like, I, yeah, I'm kind of the, I'm, I'm not a big needle guy. So I'd rather have them just like ambush me in, in the waiting room. So they, they let you choose. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I didn't get that on my form. Did you ever have to do like, actually we've talked about this because you never really had injuries, but like the whole like getting shot up with stuff before games just like make it like did you have ever have like any sort of scenario like that uh no i other other, other than good. other than your like your great mono story of 2014 <laughs> yeah i i did have the time where i got a i got dead legged pretty bad when we went for two against eastern washington and i got tackled and wasn't totally sure i was going to be able to play the next week against michigan state but there's no shot. I was going to go to the trainers and say, oh, someone need my leg. Can yeah. you shoot me up for the game, please? <laughs> yeah, it's, my, it's like the second week of my career. <laughs> they, would, they would not have given it to me. 
what what was the crazy what like do you have any like stories like of other people like that like what was the craziest craziest like this dude no way this dude plays and then they end up playing uh well one that was kind of crazy is in the vegas bowl my last game i think troy die was really dehydrated and they were like they were like go get him an IV in the locker room. And then the game wasn't going very well. And Cristobal was just like yelling, where the fuck is Troy die? We need to get him out of here now. And I was just like, I don't I was sitting there like, I don't know if that's safe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's doing so great right now. I, uh, but we were in there, so. random Cristobal story that I can tell now that people have departed, but I was talking to a, um, a random Oregon staffer no names will be named, but uh, apparently Cristobal made sure that, people on staff always had an extra extra version of his favorite polo for him just in case a photo op or, or interview or something came up. He, he had to have his favorite polo. Um, and uh, there was there was hell to pay if you did not have his favorite polo on time. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Which is which is funny because uh, like if you go back and like look through some of his like bowl, like he'd always wear the exact same like green jacket as well. Like when he did his Miami presser, it was like the first time I've seen him wear something different like Mario, you're making a lot of money. Buy a new jacket, man. Yeah, he's uh, you can certainly afford it now. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've about run our course here. I agree. Um, follow us on Instagram. Uh, the or on Twitter, we're at the i five corridor. He's at Schneider Aiden. Right. I can cut this part if I'm okay. if I'm just making shit up. And then I'm at Tyson Alger and. You can find us online at i5corridor.com. Peace. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.